living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. I have a question for y'all this morning on this second Sunday of Easter. Quick question for you, and it's this. What is the first word? What, what was the first word that was ever spoken in the history of the world? What's the first word that, that, that was ever uttered or pronounced in the history of the world? In other words, and I'm thinking about Genesis chapter 1 right now, in other words, when God created the heavens and the earth, what was the first word that was uttered? Now, I know your Hebrew might be a little rusty, so I'll go ahead and tell you, Yahi, Yahi, that is the first word of the first sentence, Yahi, or let there be light spoken on day one of creation, Genesis 1, 3, because I mean, we know that when God created all things, he spoke Hebrew, right? But that is the very first word, the first sentence spoken in the new world when it was very first initially created. Okay, but here's a second question for you. What is the first word that was spoken when the world was recreated? See, not when the world simply was created, but what about when it was recreated? What's the first word to come out of God's mouth, so to speak, in the new creation, the new creation, the new world that was brought into being by the resurrection of the Son of God. I mean, it was, after all, a new world. It certainly was for those disciples, was it not? I mean, when Jesus died on that cross just three days prior three days before we meet them today in that upper room where they were hiding because they were so scared, three days before that Easter evening when we encounter them today, when Jesus died on the cross, their world had ended. Their world was over. Their world had crashed and burned. As far as they were concerned, the world was nothing but evil, cruelty, injustice, and despair. You see, their world was over. After all, why bother? Why even bother with a world in which hate triumphs over love? With that image of Jesus on the cross seared into their memories, seared into their minds, Surely some of them, them were thinking that very thing. Why bother? Why even bother with a world in which hate triumphs over love? But then, but then it happened. In the snap of the fingers, in the twinkling of an eye, it happened. Suddenly, all was made new. Love, in fact, had one. Jesus was raised. Light was bursting out of the darkness. In fact, light was bursting into the darkness as well. Do you see a new world, a new creation? And in this new world, this new Easter world, what's the first word? 
What is the very first word that those disciples heard? It was simply this. Peace. Peace. In Greek, it's erene. You are probably more likely with the Hebrew shalom. Let me hear you say shalom. shalom. Peace. Right out here in our beautiful St. George's Church grounds, which, by the way, are getting more and more beautiful every day, as you can see if you just look around. Right out here in our beautiful church grounds, there's a little monument. It's right by the labyrinth. I'm sure that this monument has a really interesting story connected to it, but I don't know that story. But there's a little monument over here. And what it says is, may peace prevail on the earth. In Spanish, it's uh, que la paz prevalezca en la tierra. May peace prevail upon the earth. Well, dear friends, today on this second Sunday of Easter, guess what? On that day, it did. On that day, the day of resurrection, that first Easter Sunday, on that day, it did. The risen Christ shows up after everything that he's been through. And the first word to come out of his mouth, the first word, the first syllable to redound into the ears of those beaten down disciples, the first word that greets them in this strange new world of goodness and love, that first word is peace. Jesus looks at them, John 20, verse 20, and he says, peace be with you. And I could end my sermon right there. <laughs> but I'm not gonna, because guess what? When Jesus gives them that first word, peace, it didn't have to be that way, did it? I mean, have you ever had an experience, I have, have you ever had an experience in which you pick someone up at the airport and maybe it's been weeks or maybe even months since you've seen them last, maybe a spouse, maybe a loved one, uh, and it's not always the case that they greet you or that you greet them with words of goodness love and peace. It didn't have to be that way, but the first word out of Jesus's mouth, the first reality for you and me to grasp about this new Easter world is the word peace, shalom. And dear friends, that is good news. But I have another question for you this morning. Because you see, that is the first word that Jesus speaks. But what about the first deed that he does? Hmm. What is the first act that the risen Christ performs here in John chapter 20? You see, words and deeds are supposed to go together. Did you know that? And in fact, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even in the book of Acts, that's how it is. The words and the deeds go together. Word and deed, preaching and serving, they always go together. So what is the first act, the first deed that accompanies this word of peace that the risen Christ pronounces? What is it? He points at something. He gestures. He shows them something. Peace be with you, Jesus says in John 2019, and then in the very next verse, quote, after he said this, he showed them his, what? His hands 
and his side. Hmm. Why not his neck? Why, why not his left kneecap? Why his hands and his side? You know why. You know why. He was showing them his scars. He was showing them his wounds, the scars created by those nails, the, the scar created by that spear, the nails and the spear that we hear about and think about and meditate on on Good Friday. See, on Easter Sunday, and please note that John is at pains to say that all this stuff happened on the first day of the week. The first day of the week. Did you know that Sunday is the first day of the week? If your Google calendar says that Monday is the first day of the week, go into the settings and reprogram it. Because Sunday is the first day of the week, which is why we go to church on Sunday in the first place. But on that Easter Sunday, Jesus shows up, freshly minted from the grave. He magically appears to his disciples back from the dead. He shows up, and the very first thing that he does is to draw attention to his scars. And I don't know about you, but if I were the gospel writer, I might want to delete the part about the scars. I'm pretty good at Photoshop. I, I might want to airbrush those scars away. Forget about them. Out of sight, out of mind. Brush them under the rug. I mean, can't we just move on? I mean, what in the world do those scars have to do with Easter? John's answer, everything. Everything. See, the resurrection brings about a new creation, a new world. And the first word in this new world, the primal word, if you will, the primal word is peace. But the primal action, the primal deed is a display, not of beautiful flowers, and wow, they're beautiful, but the primal deed is a display of scars. And friends, this leads to the primal paradox. Not the primal word, not the primal deed, but the primal paradox. And the primal paradox of Easter is this. There can be no peace without scars. There can be no peace without scars. You could put it like this. No scars, no peace. Without the cross, no Easter. Without suffering, no salvation. See, this is really good news because there's people in this room right now who are suffering. And what the primal paradox of the new Easter world that Jesus brought into being on Easter Sunday, what that primal paradox is, is this, that there is no peace without scars. There is no salvation without suffering. Without pain, no joy. Without death, no resurrection. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Well, where to begin? Where to begin? Let me tell you, 
that the first thing that this means is that you and I, you and I are not called to hide our scars. You and I are not called to hide our scars. God does not want us to conceal our pain. See, we all have pain. We all have scars. It might not be popular to say that on social media, but it's true. We all have our scars. And I'm not saying that we should wear our woundedness on our sleeves and be obsessed with it and allow others, cause others to stumble. No, we must be wise, but we all have scars just like Jesus. And it's not in spite of those scars that peace comes into our lives. No, it is not in spite of those wounds. No, it is through them. And, and y'all, one of the things that this means is, is that that makes for a really good story, a really good narrative. There's no such thing as a good story that doesn't have a really thick plot. And, and this makes for a really good story, the story of our scars and how they have led to peace. See, others need to hear your story. Did you know that? Others need to hear your story, the story of scars, those stories of healing, those stories of Good Friday and Easter and how they've played out in your life. See, this primal paradox of the new world, it leads to interesting stories. But guess what? It also leads to beautiful art. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kent Sugi, Kent Sugi, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I, Kent Sugi. It's a Japanese form of pottery, uh, a Japanese form of pottery making, although it would probably be more accurate to say that it's a form of pottery repair. Here's what Wikipedia says about Kintsugi, quote, Kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. I'm going to repeat that because I think that's so amazing. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. Wow. So if you were to Google, go home today and Google Kintsugi and look at some of the images on Google, what you would see is these dark colored bowls and vases and vessels. And then you'd see these brilliant, vibrant gold or silver ribbons of color running through each piece. So incredibly beautiful. But don't you see, it's the fractures. It's the cracks, the bumps, and the imperfections that make that pottery so beautiful. It's the same with Jesus. The risen Christ still has his scars. It's not, it's not just even that he still has them. It's, it's that the very first thing that he does in the presence of his disciples on that Easter day, the very first thing he does is to point us to them, to remind his disciples of those scars. That is the primal act of the new resurrection world. Jesus did not hide his scars. 
They were not whitewashed away. At the end of the day, our scars can be woven together with his scars. Only then can our peace be woven together with his peace, our joy into his joy, our life into his resurrection life. Happy Eastertide. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.